Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlock. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Uh, I'm excited about today's episode because we are joined by a dear brother, uh, Dr. Jim Shaddix. Uh, Dr. Shaddix serves as a professor of preaching at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, he occupies the W.A. Criswell Chair of Expository Preaching and is the Senior Preaching Fellow for our center here on campus. So he is a valuable member of our three-person team here at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership. Uh, Dr. Shaddix, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining our conversation today, brother. Thank you so much uh, to you and uh, Dr. Locke both. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, brothers, today uh, what I would like to do is is have a conversation about preaching. And so I wanted to, add, uh, to start by asking you, uh, since both of you serve on our preaching faculty here at Southeastern, uh, I wanted to ask, what is, what is one of the most encouraging things about teaching and equipping the next generation of preachers? Well, I'll jump in, you know, and, and, and start and just say that uh, I, I am so encouraged with the, uh, I think, the sincerity and authenticity that I see in, in the generation that God is raising up. Uh, so many uh, young uh, brothers, fellow preachers that, you know, probably different from my generation in the sense they're they're not impressed with, um, you know, just the the bright lights and the you know the the big stage, uh, but uh, really really sense uh, you know a call uh, to sometimes a hard places and that's really important in pastoral ministry you know because pastoring and pastoral preaching is not all the time about being in a good situation so I'm just I'm really encouraged just with the you know the the sincerity and and authenticity that I see mm-hmm. yeah that's good I I definitely agree with that um, one thing I'd also add to that is uh, it, it's it's been amazing to see uh, younger folks be so excited about uh, about preaching Christ uh, I, I think that we've seen a bit of, 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 of a wave or maybe a series of waves uh, through uh, the generations when it comes to preaching. Uh, you have folks who, uh, who cared about uh, preaching the gospel, uh, but you know, of course we can remember kind of in previous generations, the John 3.16 preacher, uh, you know, he's, he's got one sermon <laughs> and he's, and he's going to preach that sermon uh, until, until the Lord calls him home. Uh, but in terms of seeing Christ in all of scripture, uh, that was obviously a bit of a challenge. And then you had folks that, uh, that were, I guess you could use the term relevance, the, the relevance preachers, you know, who are, you know, preaching six steps to a, a more prosperous life or, or, you know, eight steps to a uh, uh, to a a uh, happy family or or a wonderful marriage or something like that, uh, and of course the the preaching of Christ and the scriptures uh, greatly diminished in 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 a lot of uh, those contexts. And now it seems like there are folks who are trying to bridge the gap where they're saying we want to preach Christ in all of Scripture, uh, but we also want to preach. 
uh, uh, preach this practically. You know, how does Christ affect every aspect of life? And that's been actually really encouraging uh, for me to see that uh, there are folks who, who are really taking this task seriously. We're not just going through uh, the scriptures and giving practical steps or things like that, but even more so we're situating all of this in the context of who Christ is and what he's about uh, in his kingdom. One of the things uh, that a lot of people are starting to say is that we're going to see a lot of brothers leaving the ministry over the course of these next you know few months to few years. Mm-hmm. Some of that caused by the pandemic, some of that maybe some some things that were going on prior. Uh, is this something that concerns uh, either one of you? Well, I, I would say, Brandon, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, if, if we're talking about uh, truly God-called men, uh, you know, walking away from their calling, that, that better concern us, you know. And so if those projections prove to be true and we're talking about you know, individuals that sincerely are called by God, then yes, that's that's a grave concern. And and there are so many things that are uh, shipwrecking a lot of ministries, you know, legitimate ministries, you know, in our day and time. And, and we've got to do a better job of helping to d- be proactive, I think, in uh, you know, in, in, in nurturing uh, God-called men, you know, uh, to that are called to the pastorate uh, and helping them to know how to build fences, you know, around their lives. Um, but I've, I've used some terms, I guess, in my response, you know, genuinely God-called, truly God-called. Uh, you know, I, I think that one of the things that we're probably going to see more of is, uh, you know, some guys that are walking away from their ministries, but really maybe maybe we're never called by God in the first place. And I, I kind of feel the same way about that as I do uh, the whole issue of there being some people that are not coming back to church, you know, as churches reopening, reopen, yeah, you know, yes, that from an attendance standpoint, that can be discouraging. But I've wondered if, if God hasn't, you know, won't use this journey as kind of a John 15 thing, you know, to, um, you know, to remove some dead branches and also to prune back, uh, you know, some fruitful branches as far as the church is concerned. And, you know, I, I can see the same thing happening, uh, you know, just from a redemptive standpoint, from a positive standpoint, in, you know, among ministry leaders, uh, because uh, it, it does seem, I, you know, I think in, in seminary education, it does seem sometimes, you know, that um, you know, that we see more individuals coming to seminary than we used to that really don't have, um, you know, that they, they really not don't have their feet on the ground on what God's called them to do or what that calling is. And, and, and maybe some of that is because, you know, we've made it easier, you know, to, you know, to kind of pursue this, this arena of, of, you know, of education, of training. And so, some of that might be good for the church, you know, in, in the long run. We do need to be more um, discerning, uh, and, and, and our, our guys, our students need to be uh, more discerning also, you know, in uh, considering how uh, God has called them and to what God has specifically called them uh, uh, as, as servants to the church. Um, it may not be a bad thing. 
for, for those who have been called and they're discouraged, I, I think of what Paul said to Timothy, uh, don't be ashamed. You know, don't be ashamed of, of, um, of our suffering. Don't be ashamed, you know, of uh, the calling. Share in suffering, uh, he says in, in 2 Timothy, by, uh, uh, for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. So there is the temptation. Uh, in every generation, there is a temptation, whether it be because of, uh, you know, disease and, and, and things like that with COVID and so on, or whether it be because of persecution. Uh, you know, we, I don't know why uh, it just seems in, in our culture, I don't know if it's the same in other cultures, but it, it just seems that uh, we're always surprised to find out that we're the minority. <laughs> you know, we, I don't know why that's always shocking to us, but we, we just kind of wake up, you know, day, uh, uh, you know, one day and just go, wait a second, we're outnumbered. Well, yeah, we've kind of always been outnumbered. Uh, we've always been a remnant, if you will. Uh, but that can be overwhelming for some folks and, and they don't you know, know exactly how to address the culture. They don't know if they're the right person for the task. And, and, and in those types of anxieties with those types of, of concerns, I, I hear Paul. I hear what he says to Timothy, you know, about being, uh, you know, not being ashamed, uh, share in suffering, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, so as a professor, I think there's one part of 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 the ministry uh, of my ministry here uh, is to is to help walk with uh, uh, our students to uh, to help them discern what it what it means you know what what this calling is and and where we go and obviously I, I direct them to their pastors and their local church as well who obviously will do a better job than me um, but then there's also you know for the one who who has sensed the Lord's call to this ministry and they're just discouraged you know or or worn out or you know beaten down and so on I want to be the one to kind of come alongside of them and say hey hang in there mm-hmm. you know it's going to be okay um, unfortunately I can't promise you that the road is going to be any smoother uh, it, it, it certainly isn't uh, for most of us but uh, if the Lord has called us down this path, then He will give us the grace to sustain us uh, uh, through uh, through the through the long run. Um, so yeah, uh, for some, it, you may have to say, you know, maybe God didn't call you to this, and for others, uh, you may say, hey, if the Lord has called you to this, press on uh, and and know that we're here, and even more so, the Lord is with you. Well, that's very helpful. Um, really appreciate both of y'all just walking walking through that and and finding reasons to both be concerned, but but to be hopeful um, that, that the church will, will survive. Um, so one of the things that, that Ranjour and I have been discussing a lot lately uh, and that I've, I've even talked to, to pastors about is this, this idea of finding your voice in the pulpit. And so what I mean by that is, is often when guys first begin to preach, they typically sound a lot like the guys they grew up listening to or, or the pastors who they've sat under uh, for a number of years, and uh, and so th- there's just kind of this struggle to kind of find their own their own their own voice. And so, uh, is this something that you see? Because both of you teach a sermon delivery class here, where where guys and, and girls get reps to teach. Is this something you see as you're teaching and as you're listening to them uh, preach and teach in class? Uh, and, and what are some practical tips you, you could share with some of the guys listening that, that might be struggling in this area of preaching? Well, it is something we see uh, because I think it's, it's natural. I think if we weren't 
you know, here talking about preaching, but we were having this, uh, you know, this conversation, you know, with a group of salesmen that, uh, you know, that sell a product or something that we, you know, we could have the, the same conversation. When a guy starts, you know, out being a salesman, he, you know, he, he, he runs the same risk. He deals with the same things. There is a, you know, there's a difference between uh, the influence of mentors and models in our lives in a positive way. There's a difference between that and trying to mimic someone. Mm-hmm. And and I think, uh, you know, really discerning the difference between those when we're working, you know, with, with young preachers is, is an important thing because... Let's be honest. We're all products of the people that have have spoken into our lives, have walked a path before of, and and I think Scripture would bear out that there's there's a positive element to that. That's not a bad thing. Any of us that think, you know, that we arrived on the scene and you know we're the first ones to manifest these mannerisms or this you know uh you know this particular uh, vocal quality or you know whatever the case may be is you know we're just being naive i'm i'm grateful for people that i have learned from and there's things that i have adopted from you know from their ministry and and probably for some of those that are no longer around the people that listen to me preach they think that's unique to me, you know, when, yeah. when it's really not. I, mm-hmm. I learned it from somebody else. And I think one of the best things we can say is I've been taught, you know, uh, uh, and I've learned from others. It's, 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 some, it's a reality and it's something that, you know, we, we need to be honest with that. But there's a difference between that and trying to take on somebody else's personality, mm. which is probably more you know the abuse that we see and and i think in you know it in in those situations which we probably have all been in personally there's probably an element of that i you know i've got videos of my preaching when i was in <laughs> seminary that's a long time ago you know i'm i'm sad to say that video was actually available then uh but uh you know i i can look at at those and i can see um, I can see things in my preaching that are, you know, they're not me. They weren't me. They just looked fake, mm. you know, and I'm grateful for, you know, for teachers and peers that help to, you know, to point those things out. Because when we get into that category, we're trying to mimic someone and we try to take on their persona, you know, in our preaching, it does come across as, you know, as, as fake, um, you you talk about practical uh, advice, you know, for you know for young preachers. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple of things that come to my mind. You know, one one of them is, um, it, you know, I, I would appeal to Phillips Brooks' definition, though I would not appeal to his all of his theology. You know, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but you know his definition of preaching of truth through personality. Uh, I think is is good if we understand truth rightly and we understand personality rightly. Sure. Uh, but you know, when we understand those things rightly, I think to understand that God has called me uh, to this event, and if I try to be other than me, then in one sense I stop preaching. You know, and so growing comfortable in your calling you know, to, to the preaching ministry, I think is, is really, really important. 
Um, you know, a, a, another thing that comes to mind, and this may not seem, you know, related, but I think resting in God's economy of strength through weakness. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, reality is when we try to be someone else, we think it's because there's inadequacy in in ourselves that we've got to go find this in someone else especially someone else who seems to be effective Mm -hmm. and just like so many areas of you know of of christian ministry we forget god operates from a different you know position i mean paul said it in first corinthians not many of you, you know, are, are called to this task that are wise according to this world or strong or powerful according to this world. And that's a really encouraging verse to mm-hmm. me. And I think learning to rest in that, realize that, okay, even in my limitations and my weaknesses, God wants to use that to manifest his power. And if I'm always looking to adopt somebody else's manner or their persona because I think that's going to make me more effective, essentially what I'm saying is I'm, I'm trying to bring a position of strength in, you know, in, into, my, in, into my life and my ministry. Yeah, I'm, I'm over here cracking up on the inside because I can remember uh, those early <laughs> days when I when when you know I would be asked to preach and I didn't know what I was doing I I really didn't it was this was bef- long before you know any type of formal training or anything like that uh, I just I I liked the Bible and and they said well you're young and you like the Bibles so why don't you get up and preach <laughs> and so but, but, and, and I didn't right, very much so very much so I I remember. Um, when I was when I was growing up, I we, we didn't go to a church where the pastor uh, and the other you know associate pastors and so on modeled exposition. I didn't learn exposition on Sunday. I learned exposition Monday through Friday, listening to the radio. Uh, you know, I would listen to MacArthur. I'd listen to Swindoll, Tony Evans, uh, Sproul, and you know all these guys. Uh, uh, you know, Stanley, Adrian Rogers. You know, and all of that. I, I, that I, I, I learned exposition from the radio, uh, and you know, it just happened to be that I was uh, I played high school basketball, and we would have late practices, and as mom uh, or dad would come and pick me up and take me home, that was right around the time that they would be playing Bible. You know programs, Bible teaching programs on the Christian radio. So I would go home listening to these guys. And that was right around the time that the Lord started to really work in my life and, and, and uh, open my eyes, open my heart uh, to the gospel. And so I would, I, then I was listening to them because I wanted to know what the Bible was saying. And so, well, these guys teach the Bible and it makes sense. You know, I understand what they're saying. You know, they, uh, they seem to be, you know, they're not talking over my head or anything like that. And so I, that's how I learned, uh, uh, you know, the Bible. Uh, that's how I learned, you know, about exposition. I, I didn't even know the word. I just knew, hey, I understand the Bible when I listen to these guys. And so that's, that's what I, uh, that was my, my uh, introduction to exposition. Uh, the wild thing is when they would ask me to come and preach, well, again, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so in my mind, I was just thinking, well, if you could take 
uh, MacArthur, Swindoll, Tony Evans, <laughs> R.C. Sproul, Adrian Rogers, and all of them, and just kind of squeeze them into one person, what would that be? And and so I would get up and preach, and you could you could I I guarantee you could go, yeah, he got that from Tony Evans, yeah, he got that from Swindoll, yeah, he got that from MacArthur, because I was trying to do what I what I heard, you know, on the radio. I just thought do what they do, you know. They wouldn't be on the radio if they didn't know what they were talking talking about. Granted, now in hindsight, I realize that's not exactly the best axiom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are a ton of people <laughs> that, that have radio and TV programs and things like that that you should not, under any circumstances, be learning from. But uh, that was you know my my very naive logic back in the day. Um, who who were your guys you know, when, when you were beginning? You know, it's so funny, you know, to hear you say that because, you know, our our journeys parallel, even though mine was a little before yours. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, exact same way. I yeah. did not grow up under expositors. Uh, you know, I, I don't know of a time. I, you know, just right here, you know, trying to think about it, you know, that I was a member of a church that I look back on now and what I know about exposition that I would say, you know, I, I said under expositors, but you know, the, it, the way it happened was exactly what yeah, I started listening to MacArthur, you know, mm-hmm. in, in uh, college and then, you know, carried that into seminary. I was grateful to have, um, you know, some professors that mm-hmm. really taught me how to do inductive Bible study. Yeah, yeah. And and that just made sense to me. You know, it just made sense to me. You find out what the text says, and that's what we're going to preach. You yeah. Know? But those same guys, you uh-huh, know, uh, uh-huh. Jerry Vines, mm-hmm, I would throw mm-hmm. in there, you know, who I had the privilege of getting to know, you know, later when, as I, you know, my ministry began to unfold and... Uh, you know, those guys, you know, just there was a difference in the way they handled the Bible yeah. or the role the Bible played in their preaching than probably mm-hmm. what I was used to. So mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. yeah, very similar journey. A lot of the same same personalities. Yeah, know, so. yeah. And I would say to... But uh, mine were cassette tapes, by the way. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had radio, but we had cassette tapes. Yeah. <laughs> so for anyone listening, that, that uh, you could scratch off cassettes, you could scratch off VHS. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look it up, Google it. I think it's like... <laughs> yeah, but I, I I'll say to the you know young guys uh, you know that that are listening to all of this, you got to start somewhere, right? You got to start somewhere. Uh, if you are still trying to to be them, you know, five ten years you know into into preaching, then we've got a bit of an issue. Uh, but you know, you learn from those folks, uh, as as, as uh, Dr. Shattuck said. You know, um, we're all a, a product of of the people that that have influenced us and have uh, poured into our lives, whether directly or indirectly. Uh, however, you know, as you keep on going, eventually you you start finding your spot. You know, you start finding your groove, if you if you will. Uh, after a while, you know, I I started to develop my own thing. You know, uh, there's just a way that I approach the scriptures. There's just a way that I talk uh, and and preach. And uh, uh, Annie will will tell me that on a regular basis. You know, she'll just be like, "There, you're just you." Yeah. And and I love that. You know, when I started, I wasn't just me. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant. 
you but, eventually took the training wheels off the bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just kind of you, you gain that confidence. I, exactly what you were saying, Jim, about uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, finding that confidence, you know, uh, in Christ, but in, in in what Christ has made you to be. Uh, I think of Moses, you know, when the Lord calls him to go over to to Egypt and uh, deliver the message to Pharaoh to let uh, God's people go, and and Moses starts going, I I I, I don't I don't talk well. Uh, I I've got a I've got a problem here, and it's amazing that the Lord, in all sensitivity, says, "Who made your mouth?" <laughs> Who made your mouth? You know, who who made the blind blind? Who made the deaf deaf? You know, who who made? Wasn't it me? Was it not I, the Lord? You know, and and so he's saying, no. You know, your weaknesses, your uh, shortcomings, and so on. That's not a reason not to uh, to do what I told you to do and not to go. I made you who you are. Uh, so for those who may feel a sense of inadequacy or feel a sense of uh, of inhibition, you know, that, that maybe I, I, I'm not the person to do that. You know, maybe I should just kind of lean on, you know, the so-called experts or someone. Uh, remember that God is the one who made your mouth and God is the one who made your personality and God is the one who's calling you to preach his word. And so mm-hmm. with all the personality, with all of, you know, uh, that God has made you and who he's making you to be, go on and preach the word and uh, and let God use you. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's a... Um, there's a danger, uh, you know, in us coming to the point, though, that we allow who we are to become a license mm. to put limitations, I think, on our ministry. This is a, you know, this is another aspect of this. But, you know, one of the things I do hear a lot, you know, today is about finding, you know, my niche in ministry or finding yeah. a ministry context that's right for me, that fits my giftedness. And I think it's easy for us to take this very thing we're talking about and make it the end all and mm. the determinant of everything in our ministry where right. we end up saying, well, you know, I won't go there. I won't go to that church because I don't think it's a match for who I am, you mm-hmm. know. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we uh, th- there do need to be some, you know, some guardrails on this thing where we understand that, you know, whatever uniqueness we do bring to the table based upon God's call doesn't mean that the we then use it as a determinant to say we will do this and we won't do this, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as far as God's call on our life. Sorry if I could insert one other thing, and then I'll be mm-hmm. quiet. So <laughs> that you were talking about practical things. Uh, one of the things that I think is important for discovering your voice, uh, Brandon, in preaching is not to preach somebody else's sermons. Yeah, um, You know, there's this part of the preparation process that, that, that taps into you know, this, us owning this and being a part of this that is, is, t- is tied to us doing the spade work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I don't read MacArthur's commentary or listen to one of his messages and am helped by that, and that informs my preparation and my study. But that's different from downloading you know, mm-hmm. one of his manuscripts off the Internet and me not preparing and, and doing this, the spade work. I think we run a greater risk of denying our voice when we 
we refuse to be the prophet who gets in the counsel of God. Mm-hmm. You know, it, in Jeremiah, that was one of the things that God rebuked the prophets for was they ran and even stole his words mm-hmm. one from another, mm-hmm. but they weren't in his counsel. You know, yeah. so yeah. we might even get the the word right, the interpretation. It might be a good expository sermon, mm-hmm. but if we're just preaching somebody else's stuff, mm-hmm. Um, then we're going to have a hard time, I think, really discovering our voice, you know, in yeah. in the preaching event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Simon the Magician yeah. in Acts eight. That's right. You know, uh, oh, you know, I'll just get the money. You know, I'll buy the book. You know, or whatever. Exactly, yeah. uh, kind of the contemporary uh, uh, thing uh, application of that. Uh, instead of sitting, you know, under the 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 working and the moving of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, uh, in order to gain, you know, his power uh, through our preaching and so on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's a lot of wisdom in, in all that was just said. And I really think that the first distinction you made was really, really helpful. And like, there's a difference between being mentored mm-hmm. and taught by, by other pastors and preachers and then trying to be them. Um, you know, one of the, the privileges I've had here in the seminary when I was doing my MDiv and preaching was that I took all of the preaching faculty in some capacity and learned a lot from each of them and have this thumbprint of each of you on me. Um, and so that's that's super helpful. But but one of the things that I think we need to to uh, realize as, as preachers and pastors is that is the Lord doesn't need another John MacArthur. You know, the, the Lord the, the church the church doesn't need another, you know, Ron Jorlock or, or Jim Shaddix. The Lord has called each of us and we each bring something unique uh, to that, and so just just finding that and resting in that, and and going off what you said about just um, preaching someone else's sermon, I think we really have a a wrong idea of what the preaching event is mm-hmm. if we think that's sufficient that we can just mm-hmm. go on preaching other people's sermons, and, and I think we lose something. We lose yeah. something, but our our people lose something as well. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. When I took you for, for Bible exposition, because I, I did take you for Bible exposition one and two, uh, one of the things that you really wanted us to grasp as a class was the importance of taking people on a journey through the text to a particular destination. Uh, you, know, you, you told us that the preaching is about getting your people to hear the voice of God in the scriptures. And, and I believe you gave an analogy in class of a GPS and I, I remember just like it was yesterday, you had all of us get our phones out, open up our GPS app, and type in our home address. And then all at once you told us to click the go button. And all of a sudden we started hearing uh, the, the GPS is going off. And, and that was just such a helpful illustration for using different points to get people to a final destination. And so, uh, and I believe you've even written an article that we, on our website about preaching by GPS uh, that, was, that was very helpful. And so why is it so important for pastors to have this mentality, this, this approach, that they need, that the point of their sermon is to bring people on a journey uh, to a particular destination to hear the voice of God in the Scriptures? Yeah. Well, it really, Brandon, goes back to something you said just coming out of you know our, 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 the last subject we were talking about. I, I think it has everything to do with our view of what is happening in the preaching moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I do, I have concerns that, uh, you know, in, 
we've, we've lost some of that today, uh, even in our emphasis on exposition, you know, that it's easy to come to the place where you think, okay, what the preaching event is, is, is just now me giving information that I dug up that, you know, I've spent all week studying and now I'm going to present that. It's going to be expository. I'm going to get to the right meaning of the text. And all of that is absolutely crucial. But if that's all there is to it, then that can be done without any respect and regard for the supernatural nature of what happens in, in the preaching moment. But if we if we come to the preaching moment believing that there there actually is the opportunity for people to hear the voice of God, you know, and and I I'm not talking about audibly from the standpoint other than all, our audible voice, but what I'm talking about is what I see in Mark chapter one when Jesus preached in the synagogue in Capernaum and the people listened to him and their conclusion was that guy's not from around here. Uh, you know, he, they, they said, we're hearing a weightiness. We're hearing a voice that, in, in, that we don't usually hear, which is what all of us want when sure. we preach. We want that to happen. You know, what, what happened on the road to Emmaus when Jesus disappeared out of the midst of those two disciples and they said, did not our hearts burn within mm-hmm. us? You know, mm-hmm. that they didn't know how to describe it. You know, they didn't know how to describe, you know, and say, well, did you hear the exposition he did? You know, or man, did you note that illustration? Or, you know, they, they all they knew how to describe was that there was something yeah. otherworldly going on, you know, mm-hmm. when they heard that. Mm-hmm. I, I think this has implications for our worship services in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I think how we come into worship as believers and, you know, do, do we come in expecting, hey, we're, we're actually going to meet with the God of the universe, mm-hmm. you know. That would say everything, you know, about how I come in, whether, you know, it comes in with some expectation and seriousness or I come in with some flippancy as if this were just an event, you know. And that's got to show up in the preaching event, you know, Mm -hmm. of all places it's Mm got to show up. And so I I think that what you're talking about is is really a, a view that, look, when we expound God's Word, you know, and we expound it with integrity and we get people to, you know, the, the meaning of this. We have the opportunity, you know, assuming the attendance of the Holy Spirit in that event for people to really hear an otherworldly voice mm-hmm. in that. Well, that makes the journey uh, to that destination uh, incredibly important, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, and 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 that has implications for very practical things we do, like the development of outlines, the use of good transitions. Mm-hmm. See, I can look at both of those things from merely a rhetorical standpoint. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. you organize and outline your message, and you give people points. Uh, you want to be clear that you're moving to the next point. But but I think there's a you know there's a better way to see that and to see those things are servants mm-hmm. uh, for us serving as a tour guide, like that voice on the GPS to get us to that destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the bottom line is, it's only when people hear the voice of God that there's any chance of life transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, of anything mm-hmm. supernatural, any supernatural effect in their lives. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, one of the things I say in my class uh, is there's a difference between uh, speaking about the Bible mm, mm. and speaking the Bible. Yeah, it's good. Um, word. To speak about the Bible, we're there's a bit of a distance. You know, we put the the scriptures uh, on the table, if you will, and we're examining it. You know, we bring out our um, our dissecting tools, bring out our scalpel and everything, and we're looking at it. And I give my presentation, you know, almost like the kid uh, after summer uh, coming back to school, how I spent my summer vacation. And he's got show and tell and all of this. And look at look at this text. Look what God did here. And isn't this amazing and all of that. And I'm talking about the Bible. I'm saying a lot of things about God, a lot of things about what he has done. And that's and there's a place for that. Uh but in preaching, we go beyond just uh, speaking about the Bible to actually speaking the Bible. Mm, so once important. I've gotten the message that God is saying in this text, I am now speaking that message to you. Mm. So I am telling you what God is saying through the scriptures to you. You know, uh, that's a that's a different posture. Mm. Uh, it, it's it's a different it's a different uh, feel. Uh, I don't know about about y'all, but but for for me, that's one of those things that keeps me up at night. When I realize that I have a I have a message that God has has put in His Scriptures and has you know laid it in my heart, you know, and in my mind, you know, kind of internalized it, that I may speak this to His people Sunday morning. Uh, that's that's weighty. <laughs> uh, there have been many nights where I've had a hard time sleeping on Saturday night because I knew what I had to say Sunday morning. Mm. Uh, if I'm just talking about the Bible, uh, like I said before, there's distance. Uh, you know, we're we're just kind of observing <laughs> what what God has said. But if I'm speaking the Bible, then then I am standing here on behalf of God, delivering a message to His people. Uh, and of course, we know uh, from the prophets and the apostles and so on uh, of old that doesn't always work well for us. <laughs> so, do I want to make uh, you know, I, or, or for me, I, I want to make sure that I'm saying what he said and I'm saying it well. I'm saying it the way he wants it to be said and and so forth. There's also not just the response from the people, but there's also the response from God. Mm. That one day I'm going to stand before him and I'm going to give an account for uh, for for how I spoke. And uh, the words that he says to Ezekiel haunt me because <laughs> he told Ezekiel, if you uh, if I give you this message and you don't give the message to the people and the people don't repent and all of that. Yeah, that's on you. That's on you. I'm coming after you. Yeah. If you say it and they repent, you know, and turn wonderful. If you say it and they don't repent, I'm coming after them. But if it's because you never told them I'm coming after you, uh, I just honestly cannot read that without seeing God's finger pointing at me and saying, you better say exactly what I told you to say. Uh, so, yeah, um, we have a very high calling uh, as, as preachers of God's word. Uh, we're not just here to observe what God has said, but we are to say what God said mm -hmm. to his people uh, even today. So I have one more question, and I'm actually going to change this up. Uh, so this podcast is probably being listened to on a Monday, and this is a day that many pastors uh, consider a low. They've mm. just preached 
on Sunday and and uh, if you've been a pastor, if you've preached a message, you know the second you walk down from the pulpit, you feel the weight of, of what you just said. Uh, what brief word of encouragement uh, do you have pas- for pastors uh, right now who might be experiencing that low? Uh, pastors who uh, are just at a loss right now with things that are going on, so many uncertainties uh, with their church, with the pandemic, uh, with the future. What encouragement do you have for them? You know, the, the my, my first response, I'm tempted to, uh, you know, to respond out of the flesh and say, stop it. You know, <laughs> just, uh, you know, think, just, you know, think about, uh, you know, you, you get to speak for God. I mean, just listening, you know, Ron Jury, you described, you know, uh, you know, what you just described. And yes, that's weighty. And yes, that's heavy. Uh, you know, and, and, and so, you know, you just want to say, dwell on that thing. You get to do that again next week, you yeah, know, and, and yeah. the, you know, that, that's your, your privilege. I urged uh, old independent Baptist preacher, Jack Howells, you know, say one time he was kind of, he's kind of hammering on preachers who took Monday off, you know, and he, he you know, he said, you know, something to the effect. He said, you guys got to go, you know, play golf on Monday to, you know, to, to rest from preaching the peace of Jesus Christ on Sunday, you know. Mm. And so, <laughs> I, you know, I, and, you know, I, that's the temptation is just to say, well, gosh, get over it. But it's not that simple. You know, sure. what you're describing is there are so many, you know, different variables, the burden of the ministry, the mm-hmm. burden of people, seeing people not respond, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the, the physical energy, you know, that it takes and emotional energy, mm-hmm. I know, to, you know, to, uh, to preach and, and, and to preach in a way that your heart is for people, you know, uh, those are, those are things that we, we can't discount, and so I I don't have anything profound to say or anything that would be unexpected. Uh, it would just be the encouragement to go back to the basics, and that is the the solace and the retreat of the sweet communion that only comes, you know, in our relationship with Christ. And so I think maybe the you know the you know the best advice and encouragement I could have, and I, I say it to myself. You know, I turn inward because I I don't do it all the time. I experience those things sometimes, but is is say you know there you, you are a child of God before you are a preacher of mm-hmm. God, yeah. uh, and yeah. and maybe the best thing that we can do, whether that's a Monday or some other time, is be a child of God, mm-hmm. crawl up in His lap. Mm-hmm express your frustration he's a good father that can handle that i love the psalms because the psalmists seem to have such an earthy relationship with god you know he he said to god please look at me when i'm talking to you please don't turn your back on me you know and 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 i think we have to god can handle our frustration he can handle our our anger but let that lead into just you know the worship of him and sweet communion and and rest in him so go be a child of god uh when you can't be a preacher of god yeah yeah that is so good Mm -hmm. that's so good i'm reminded of uh, deuteronomy 7 the lord's talking to the people of israel 
and they're about to go into the land and he says now now you know don't 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 get it twisted uh, when you're going into the land you're not going into here and I'm not giving you all of this uh, because you're a great people <laughs> which, is, which is just amazing you know that God would say this now you're going into this land you're going to enjoy all of this I'm going to drive out the enemies all it's not because you're great you're you're, you're not <laughs> and uh, I, I got to visit over uh, in Israel recently and and the uh, tour guide said that uh, Israel, from you know, from the top all the way to the bottom, he said it's about the size of New Jersey. And that just kind of puts it in perspective. New Jersey, yeah. you know, uh, no offense to uh, anyone listening from New Jersey, <laughs> but but New Jersey is not a big state. You know, it's not it's not uh, you know a lot of land. Uh, it's 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 a pretty pretty tiny one compared to uh, some of our other uh, other other states here. Uh, but he says not because you're great or anything like that. He says, in fact, I, I I've set my love on you not because you're great, but and it's weird weird structuring grammatically. But he says, but because I love you. And so you take out all of the you know all the stuff in the middle, and he's basically saying, I set my love on you because I love you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so why why does the Lord love us? Because he loves us, like that is the reason. You know, he loves you because he loves you, uh, and I think it's the same thing with us. Why, why uh, would the Lord bless our preaching? Why would the Lord bless our ministry? Why would the Lord do all? Oh, it's because we're great, <laughs> because we're fantastic, you know, people and you know, amazing orators. And uh, no, 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 no. It's he, he loves you because he loves you. And so uh, you have a a you know a great. A sermon in your mind, you think that you know you you knocked it out of the park and everything. Okay, great, but that's not why God's going to bless you. Mm. You know, bless your ministry. Uh, he loves you because He loves you. And on the on the on the opposite side, you know, you go in and you preach, and it was in your mind it was a dud. <laughs> you know, and you you just kind of you know you know shrink your way out of the out of the room and and uh, crawl yourself into bed and and just you know hide yourself under the covers and all of that. Well, here, take heart. It's not because you were great that the Lord loves you. He loves you because he loves you. Mm. Um, and, and if you can just remember that, that it's not on the basis of your works or anything like that. It's, it, it's because God is God and because in his amazing grace, uh, he has chosen to put his love on you through his son and, and he's sealed you with his Holy Spirit. And as Lamentations would say, his mercies are new every morning. Uh, be encouraged go to bed, <laughs> wake up, you know, after a good rest and, and get right back to the grind and, uh, and know that none of this uh, determines God's love for you, but rather this is the out outflow and overflow of his love for you. Mm, that's a good word. Yeah. Thank you so much, brothers. That's going to do it. Uh, for those listening who want to hear more and read more uh, resources by Dr. Jim Shaddix, uh, I want to encourage you to visit his website, jimshaddix.com. Uh, you can find sermons, articles, uh, podcasts, and, and, and much more there. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Pastor Matters podcast. It is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, uh, and I hope we've done that in this conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. <laughs>